0: They, they need more wood cookies. Yeah, they need to cut those wood cookies. They're not doing yeah. that if Barbuckle's not passing touchdowns, that's for sure. <laughs> Saving the money on gas, at least.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's why they're not uh, throwing touchdowns. Chainsaw's che- cold. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: right on right on right on welcome back to the mj sports pod season one episode four i'm mike he is josh and we are back josh already episode number four on this first season um for me who does a lot of the editing it's like wow i look at the folder and it's like episode four <laughs> already uh we talked about this being a possibility and it's crazy how it's uh oh it's kind of taken off in our own worlds here
2: yeah no definitely it's uh it's been fun i mean you do you definitely do more of the work i'm just here for the <laughs> chatting and then uh get to listen to it when it's all put together <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it's all good all good right uh kind of big show this week we're we're having our first ever guest uh helping us break down some cfl a little bit later on the show and uh we're going to talk some mlb we're going to talk CFL, obviously, like I just said. We're going to talk some NHL signings that have taken place in the NHL the last little bit since we were on here last. And then we're going to carry on in our uh, our breakdown of the Canadian teams. We're looking at the Flames and the Canucks today. And uh, then we'll do our, our pick them. We'll update the the standings there and the picks. You're kind of uh, destroying me in that. And uh, then we'll talk performers of the week and uh, call it a show. But uh, – Yeah, stay tuned, and we will be right back. We'll uh, break down some Major League Baseball on the other side of the break, right here on the MJ Sports Pod. All right, welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod. It's going to be our first installment of Uh, what Josh has dubbed as Mike's major league moments because Josh doesn't follow baseball as close as I do. (laughs) And I have some things to share. I was trying to think of like a rant title. If you have a rant title that puts Mike and major league baseball in the same statement, you send it our way. And we are welcoming suggestions, but for now it's Mike's major league moments. And I have to just like talk about the blue Jays as we record this right now, it's Wednesday night. The Blue Jays are trailing the Yankees, but the Orioles have lost, which means the Blue Jays' magic number to clinch a playoff spot is one game. So they either have to win a game or the Orioles have to lose a game, and then they're in the playoffs. Now, (laughs) that doesn't mean anything yet, because you still want to have a home playoff game in the first round. The Yankees won the AL East in Toronto last night. Um... And as we record this right now, Aaron Judge has tied the record. He has hit home run number 61 in Toronto, of course, of all places. It's against us. And so they've won the division in Toronto. (laughs) Aaron Judge has tied the record in Toronto. And I think after this, they will be leaving Toronto. So there's three things that have happened here uh, that are guaranteed. Now, the other thing that is very interesting to me about the, the Blue Jays is Tuesday night, they hit a world of blunder. Like It was Bo Bichette ran to second. He stepped off the bag to brush off his pants, and he got out because the guy tagged him with the baseball. Vladdy comes sliding into second. He starts his slide, I would say, six to nine feet too early, and is clearly out. Um, And they're just making mistakes, and those were both with two outs. So those those ended the innings. And there's people on base, too, right? And so they lose the game. Five to two, I think, was the final in that game. But it's like, man, if you keep that inning alive each time what happens because when you're on second base you're in scoring position um so john schneider the manager comes and he calls the guys out (laughs) like he says bo whatever vladdy has to run harder like and they just weren't there and buck martinez you can go on twitter and find it it's about a four minute clip he goes on a major rant it could be bucks major league moments he goes on a he goes on a major rant and just calls the Blue Jays out. He says the reason Toronto can't beat Tampa Bay. Can't beat the Yankees. The Red Sox. And even the Orioles at times. All our division opponents. Is because they don't bring it every night. Those teams bring it every single night. There's a reason why it's hard to play against them. But the Blue Jays. It's like they take five games off. And they're like. Oh man. We should start winning again. They've had these these had this roller coaster all season. And it's frustrating to watch. I'm grateful I don't cheer for all the Toronto teams. Only them and the Raptors. But. It's uh, it's just like classic Toronto. Like, why can't they just be good all the time? Like, why can't, why is it so haphazard? Um, And I thought it was good. John Schneider had total right to call these guys out there making millions of dollars and playing worse than I can play. And I can say that with confidence because I have played a little baseball. Um, And they just, like, I don't know. Like, you, you got to call them out. You got to hold these guys accountable. There has to be a culture in there. And John Schneider has won championships multiple times. So he knows what's going to take. But now that he's in the majors, he's got to call these guys out, tell them how it is. And the Blue Jays do play in the hardest division in baseball. The AL East is by far the hardest division in baseball. If the Blue Jays were in another division, they would be first place right now and have a playoff spot as a division winner. So that's just the reality of how it is. The Blue Jays won't win the division. They will clinch a wild card spot barring some catastrophic breakdown. But... It's crazy, and I think the Blue Jays deserve to be called out. They deserve to be there um, and at home be told what's what. And I think they got what they deserved. The Yankees have taken – I mean, the third game's almost done as we record this. Uh looks like the Yankees will take two of three. And uh, you either hope you don't play them in the ALDS or you hope someone else knocks them out before you get a chance to get to them because right now the Blue Jays don't matter – don't match up to the Yankees play. And will they in the playoffs? I don't know. We'll see. But that's my little snippet on baseball. We'll get more as we get closer to the playoffs. But I'm hoping either tomorrow the Orioles lose or uh, actually the Blue Jays have an off day. So the Orioles should lose. That's what needs to happen. I don't even know if they're playing tomorrow. But uh, the magic number is down to one. So they're right on the cusp of clinching. It's not a matter of getting to the playoffs anymore. In my opinion, it's where are you going to finish? Are you going to get a home game? Because the first round, The wildcard series that they're in the higher seed team gets all three games at home they're not traveling for that series so it is there is an advantage to winning it's a best of three series first to win two you play them all in your home ballpark that's what you play for is to have home field so we'll see where that goes that's our first installment of mike's major league moments i like just was so put off by yesterday when i watched the highlights i was like what are they doing out there um and they're a good team. When, when they put it all together, they are unstoppable. But for whatever reason, they get into some of these funks where it's like, we can't beat that team. We might as well just not do it. And you have to bring it, like Buck Martinez said last night, every single night. Um, actually, yes, yeah, so my phone just went off. The Blue Jays lose to the Yankees 8-3. to three, So there you go. Uh, Tim Mesa, his first loss of the season. Garrett Cole beats us again. Um, but that's it. That's, that's my major league moments, Josh. Do you have anything to add to that? I know you don't follow baseball as close as I do, but here I've been talking the <laughs> yeah, whole time.
2: Yeah, no, I don't really have much to add because yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember the last time I watched a baseball game, so anything <laughs> I say probably wouldn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, and I, I say
0: that like partial lovingly, right? Like I, I totally enjoy the Blue Jays. I'm not saying they're just this trash team, but they, they have to decide that they want to win. The culture's there; they're just so loosey goosey. They win they're like awesome they lose they're like ah whatever but you gotta have like this hate I hate losing attitude right and that's that's I think what's kind of missing there at times Um, Mm. after the first game Vladdy walked it off and he said this is my house then last night when the Yankees clinched the commentators like well at least they get to celebrate this win in Vladdy's house like they totally just taunted him on the air and I was like oh boy (laughs) salty (laughs) Uh, so that was pretty funny but that's where it's at that's where i'm gonna leave baseball for now because we got a lot more to get to on the show here but uh stay tuned on the mj sports pod and uh, we'll be right back
2: welcome back everybody to the mj sports podcast season one episode four um yeah just uh, moving into our NHL segment here, uh, just uh, catching up on some signings that have happened uh, as of late. Um, going back to September 13th, I can't remember if we've covered this or not. I don't think we had, but uh, Jordan Kyrou re-ups with uh, St. Louis Blues. Eight years, $65 million. uh Cap hit $8.13 million, uh per season, so that's a pretty big signing for them. Uh, definitely locking up him for eight years and uh also locked up robert thomas as well for seven years i believe maybe eight as well uh tyler mott signs in ottawa one year 1.35 million he played with uh, vancouver last year and then was swapped or sent over to the rangers i believe at the deadline uh, sean Dersey in la two years 1.7 per season uh, and then the big one, Nathan McKinnon, eight years, $12.6 uh, uh outdoing McDavid by $100,000. So, <laughs> so that was a pretty big one for them. Yeah. Um, Corey Schneider re-ups with the New York Islanders. I didn't even know that guy played anymore. That was kind of surprising when I saw that one. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Ryan McLeod, uh, re signs with the Oilers, uh, just barely under 800 k for one year uh Florida locking up spencer knight three years 4.5 million a little bit surprising to me at the cap hit considering they're still paying Bobrovsky 10 million so they've got almost 15 million dollars tied up in just their goalies um so that's a little surprising to me but uh you got any thoughts on those signings there mike
0: yeah i i think that the um <clears throat> the Jersey one is fun because I know we'll get to see him against the Oilers. And he was kind of a pain in the Oilers side at times in that playoff series. So I am excited that he's staying with the Kings. Um, but, uh, St. Louis, I mean, they, they've kind of just had the same identity for, it feels like forever. And they just keep it going, right? Like Cairo obviously is a, a diamond in the rough that they got. So why not sign him up? Uh, Spencer Knight is supposed to be the goalie of the future, uh, in the NHL, let alone Florida. But you look at Bobrovsky. Why did they ever sign him to ten million a season when the goalies this year? So Jack Campbell will take him. He was kind of one of the top five million, you know. And and Markstrom, what did he get a cap hit? It was not far off. Was it six million? Um, when he signed in Calgary, I don't even remember
2: who was that Markstrom you say? Yeah, yeah, I think he's at six, I believe. Yeah, because I and think Flo- the Oilers, I think the Oilers offered him basically the Jack Campbell contract and uh Calgary offered five years six million I think so he went there
0: yeah and and then out of left field Florida's like oh yeah we got Bobrovsky at 10 million a season and it's just astronomical and now they're trying to trying to off him right like at the end of the season they said he might be on a different team next year now he's still in Florida Spencer Knight will be there with him but they split the time last year um I don't know what they were thinking, but I like the Spencer Knight contract. I mean, you, you don't want to lose him just because you're paying Bobrovsky an insane amount of dollar, but, um, I, I think they're all good signings. McKinnon, I think it's kind of hilarious that he only got that much over McDavid considering he signed how many years later than McDavid. Like you would think, and I know the caps kind of stayed the same. It's, it's there that plays into it, but, um, good on him. He's, he's one of the superstars of the NHL. Why not? um, I I always think athletes are way overpaid anyways regardless what they make so oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh but you got to think like what's McDavid going to make now when the cap goes up because they announced it was going to go up between 8 to 10 million in time for Drysdale and McDavid's contracts to expire so that's perfect music to the Oilers' ears <laughs> but uh we'll see uh but I like those signings and uh I don't think there's anything wrong with them Corey Schneider I guess it's just an insurance policy behind Sorokin and uh, Varlamov like I don't I don't see him really playing unless something goes terribly wrong with Varlamov, but um, we'll see. We'll see. But I like the signings. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll head into now. We're uh, breaking down uh, Vancouver today and uh, Calgary. So uh, Mike's going to talk on Calgary right away here. I'm just going to do a quick breakdown for uh, Vancouver. Uh, since we've been doing these breakdowns, uh Vancouver hasn't really done too much. I was going through a bunch of stuff and I was like got to like September second. <laughs> just this like within this month, and I was like, Oh, it's like five or six things happened. Okay. <laughs> but uh heading back to March twentieth. I've kind of been doing this when I break down my teams, uh going back to kind of the trade deadline of last year. Um, just cause sometimes there's big big names that get traded or acquired and then re-signed so uh yeah so March 20th uh trade Travis Hamanick to Ottawa for a third round pick in 2022 uh they acquired Travis Dermott from Toronto for a 2022 third round pick um not sure if that's the same one from the Ottawa deal they just flipped uh Traded Tyler Mott to the Rangers for a 2023 fourth round pick. Uh, Then July 1st, they extend uh, Brock Besser three years, 6.65 AAV, uh, and they extended Rathbone uh, two years, 850K AAV. I just like that guy's name. I think that's fun. Um, (laughs) Then uh, July 13th, they sign Andre Kuzmenko one year, 950K AAV. Uh, He came from a KHL. He was kind of tied. It was kind of down to Vancouver and the Oilers, I believe, near the end of things uh, as to who was going to sign him. Uh, I just pulled some stats on him just because he played KHL. He came over from the KHL. So last year in the KHL, 45 games played, 20 goals, 33 assists for 53 points. year before that, it was 57 games, uh, 37 points, 18 goals, 19 assists. And the season previous to that was 49 games played, 14 goals, 19 assists, 33 points. So every year he's kind of been building on his seasons and becoming more and more productive. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do this year in Vancouver. Uh, and then they also signed uh, Curtis Lazar, three years, $1 million, uh AAV, and Ilya Mikheyev from Toronto, four years, $4.75 million AAV. Those there's on that was on uh, free agency day, and then uh, September 2nd, here they extend JT Miller seven years, eight million dollars. Um, and there's all those rumors going around about him being traded, which, uh, in his new contract, he does not have any sort of no movement clause, no trade clause, anything for that first year. So I think they're kind of keeping their options open as to how the season goes if they're going to move him still. Uh, cap space remaining was uh, minus 2.75 million. Um, but I looked down and I saw they have uh, Michael Ferland still under contract uh, on the LTIR for $3.5 million. So once that all goes through, they'll be just under the cap there. But uh, yeah, Vancouver's an interesting team. I think, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. Like after Bruce Boudreaux came in last year, they really turned things around. Um, and Bruce, if they can, there it is. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. <laughs> and if, I mean, if they can keep that pace going with what they finished the season with last year, I think they can uh, probably surprise a lot of teams this year uh, in the Pacific. I think they're going to be better than Seattle and possibly better than Vegas just to, for the simple fact that they have uh, Demko there. Like, he is a solid goaltender yeah. for them. And, um, what they lack on the blue line, they make up for in the goaltender. So I mean they don't have a bunch of big names on the blue line. They have uh Ekman Larson uh making over seven million. And they have uh Tyler Myers making over six and then Quinn Hughes, I think he's making around eight as well. So um and then it kinda dips off after there for big names. And I believe uh what's his name? They had a guy in on a PTO from uh Detroit I believe a defenseman but I even hit, I don't think he's going to make the team if he does it's going to be kind of an AHL old guy so mm-hmm. um but yeah no I can see them finishing uh I can see if they can stay productive under Bruce Boudreau this year and if like Elias Petterson can step up and things like that I can see them making that wild card spot or that last spot in the Pacific for the playoffs over uh Anaheim and the uh, Seattle and maybe even Vegas, so it's kind of my take on connects, So I'll throw it to you, Mike, for any thoughts on Vancouver and then uh into your breakdown of Calgary?
0: Mhm-, yeah, no, and I think uh I mean a couple couple uh notes that I would add is like Brock Besser he's injured his hand and had surgery. they expect him to miss three to four weeks now, um so that's kind of bites right off the hop of the season um Halak obviously is kind of one of their goalies out like he's gone i think i think Spencer Martin is going to they're thinking it's be backup i don't know everyone has hoped too that Michael Di Pietro would come out there and play some games right like that's he just hasn't been as exciting as they'd hoped um but i i think i agree with you i think they're fine a lot of these, all these breakdowns come down to goaltending right and Demko is i would put him like Hellebuck, the team I don't think they rely on him as much as Winnipeg does on Hellebuck. But um, Elias Pettersson said, I want to play in the postseason. So he didn't say win the Stanley Cup, but postseason. So baby steps, I guess, for them. I'm fine with that as an Oilers fan. (laughs) But uh, I think I agree with you. I I think they'll make the playoffs if they can be productive. Bruce Boudreaux, though, the thing is, he is such a good regular season coach. But in the playoffs, I don't know what's wrong and I would love to see him cause I, like I've said for all these teams, maybe not the leagues, but for the rest of them, I want to see Canadian teams do well, right? Like it's, it is, uh, it is what it is. So, um, I think that's where we're at with, with that. I think they will make it, um, barring any significant injuries. I mean, like Besser comes back and Pedersen gets hurt. Well, then you're going to be playing that game all year. So, um, we'll see where it is. JT Miller is a good signing for them as well, but, uh, for sure and i also have to add that
2: go ahead oh that jt miller one is interesting to me because i don't know i just have this weird feeling that they may flip him still you know like they Mm -hmm. didn't offer him any trade protection in that first year only Mm
1: -hmm. there's a
2: no movement no no movement no no trade there's nothing there to keep him where he controls his fate so i mean that's one where i could see like maybe the team's not doing that great or they want to improve on the blue line or something and they flip him in a package somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, uh I mean, time will tell. We're going to
0: hear about it now because as soon as the season starts, the the trade bait board comes on TSN, right? Like it's like, <laughs> they haven't played a game yet, but here's our trade bait.
1: So it's like, Oh,
0: and then like, as the trade deadline gets newer, they're like new names. Well, yeah, because there's actually been games played, you know? So I always think that's mm. the most ridiculous thing. And then once trade deadline's done, free agent frenzy board, most uh, desired free agents. So I guess that's how they work. That's what gives TSN employees things to do, but um, is what it is. So, um, yeah, if we, the other thing I want to add about Boutreau, I heard this today, there's the most random poll out there. It is to rank the most handsome coaches in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> so Jay Woodcroft wins number one. So the Oilers already have a win going out of the gate. I don't know who made this poll. Boudreaux was 16th. And when they asked him, they said, like, what do you think about this? He said, they must be blind. Like, I thought it was like just a a prime Boudreaux quote. Because I think he actually really is funny. People just think he's a serious dude. But he's got a huge personality. And I, I like him in uh, Canadian market. It's fun to watch. Uh, the only thing that would be better is to watch him coach the Leafs. Because I think the media there would have a heyday with him. And... It would be you know,
2: funny, but... you know would be a, a fun one would be Tortorella in Toronto.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> he already tried
0: the Canadian market. Uh, but yeah, and he that picture online looked like he might have offed one of the flyers already, first day of camp. So if you haven't yeah. seen that, you can go look it up. It's on bar down. But uh, yeah, let's move to the Flames here quickly and uh, go through it. I mean, the Flames have probably had one of the most publicized off-seasons, right? Like, I'm going to list names and everyone's going to say, yeah, I've already heard all these things. But the main subtractions coming out, um, Goudreau walks, Monaghan trade, Kachuk was going to walk, but they traded him. Uh, Branson's gone, Cal Yarncrook's gone after his one goal in the playoffs and signed for four years in Toronto. I, I put Glenn Godden on here because he was the captain of the Broncos, the Swift Current Broncos, when they won the WHL. And I I've always just, like, Him and Colby Cave, I always was like, man, I hope these guys make it. And obviously, we know the story of Caver and and his passing, but uh, he did make it. And he was an oiler for a little bit. And uh, so Glenn Godden is now signed in Anaheim. And I hope that he can crack a roster there. That team, like I know you said that for the Pacific, that they might Vancouver could leapfrog them. I think they could. But that think that Anaheim team could be a little dangerous, actually, because they really have nothing to lose at this point. Um, and if Gibson stays healthy, they got a good back end as well, with, led by uh, Drysdale there too, right? And um, up and young coming guys. You got Zegers doing fancy stuff all the time, and it is <laughs> it is what it is. But so Gordon is gone. Not a huge thing. He did play a ha- handful of games for the Flames. But they bring in Huberto, Weger, and Schwint in the deal for Kachuk. They bring in Kadri on a uh, UFA signing. They signed Oscar Danks, who uh, he played some time for Vegas. Uh, But point being, he is going to be their third guy, barring something terribly going wrong. Um, Dustin Wolf is also a guy that played for the U.S. World Junior team for a couple of years. He is in the waiting uh, as well, kind of like what Skinner has been. Now Skinner for the Oilers, and Skinner now obviously has cracked the – he'll be number two goalie this year. But um, I think that's a good insurance policy for them. I mean, Markstrom is going to carry the team. Until they meet the Oilers, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, yeah, you got Markstrom there. You got Vladar or Vladar, however, they call him Darth Vlader. Um, I think that's a pretty sweet nickname. Um, and it, it's going to go, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I don't see how, I would be very shocked if that team did not make the playoffs and they will compete to win the division again. Um, once we do the Oilers next week we're going to rank these Canadian teams. We're going to see where they finish the season and then rank them what we think this season. Um but Calgary's going to be at the top half of the list. They'll they'll make the playoffs. As an Oiler fan, you don't want to say they're going to go deep, but they could. Does does the veteran leadership of Huberdeau and Kadri who just won the Stanley Cup does that give you some fire with Monjeepani with uh Zadorov uh, Uyghur, these guys on the back end, does it does it push them a little further?
2: Lucic, well, yeah,
0: Lucic <laughs> is the phenom there, right? Guy skates <laughs> one sprint and he's done. But but I wonder, like that leadership. Those guys have been on good teams. Uyghur and Huberto, obviously in Florida. David and I, our brother, went and saw the Oilers play the Panthers in Edmonton. Oilers got schmucked six nothing. But you watch that power play for the the Panthers. It was Huberto, uh, Barkov, Uyghur. Duclair, and I uh, forget who the last person was on the five, but it was just like Ekblad. Eckblad, yes, and it was just like uh, Oilers. There's a reason they scored <laughs> like three power play goals on the Oilers because they moved it so fluidly. But the point that I'm trying to make is these guys are vets. They know what they're doing, um, and it will be like a um, a huge thing when they when they crack the season and get going here um, as we talk right now they're playing the Oilers with their whole starting lineup and the Oilers have no one from their, start- actually they have their fourth line. I shouldn't, I shouldn't lie,
2: but. Uh, isn't Barry playing or Bouchard to a couple defensemen, I think from their starting lineup.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's true. There actually, there is a couple of defensemen there. Um, it is two nothing flames at the end of the second right now, as as we record. And uh, I'm trying to find the shots here, but it because i'd be curious to know. Okay, actually here it is. Stuart Skinner has 3 saves on 4 shots. Uh Pickard started the game and he has 16 on 17. So that's 21 shots that have been fired. Um if you look at the Flames goaltending, uh 12 saves. So and Markstrom's in net, right? So McDavid's not there to ruin his day and they Calgary Calgary comes to Edmonton at the end of the week. So i mean, you get to return the favor. But the uh the point is with the Flames um Daryl Sutter plays a certain style of game. We saw it in the playoffs. They they had a gritty series with Dallas. Um Oilers and Flames both went to seven games in round one, so that made for a good second round matchup. The Flames, I can see them getting a second and third round even this year. I mean I hope I hope not far as an Oiler fan, but it's <laughs> but they have the talent there, right? And people say are the Flames better than they were before these guys before Kachuk and Goudreau left. Um and I've been very consistent in saying this, I don't know if they're better, but they're different. Um, You have a finesse guy like Goudreau who scores lots of goals. Huberto is kind of that replacement. And I would say Huberto with his experience is a little better right now. I mean, Goudreau will be good too in Columbus. Um, you have Kadri coming in. He's that gritty forward. Kachuk is the guy going out that was the same thing. Weger uh, comes in to fill a void. Weger is better than Gibranson. I will say that. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like they've just replaced a few of these guys. It's not like they've completely revamped the team and they've signed the guy, like Hubert signed an extension with the team. Uh, Kadri signed long-term. I wish the Oilers and Flames played more than three times this year. Cause I cannot wait for Cadre and McDavid battles, but it's, uh, they're they're going to do well. But what do you think, Josh? I mean, Markstrom's going to carry that team too, as far as he can. He had a Vesna type trophy season until he hit the playoffs. I don't know what happened after that.
2: Well, I mean, they are being led by Daryl Sutter, the second most handsome coach in the NHL, according to that poll. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, honestly, the Flames, I would dare to say that they have the best blue line in the NHL right now with the addition of Uyghur. Like, you got Uyghur, Tanev, Hannafin. Anderson's the and Michael Stone, uh, Oliver Shillington, like all these guys, like I would yeah. probably dare to say that that's like probably the best blue line in the NHL in front of Markstrom. So, um, but yeah, no, I think, I think the flames did an amazing job. Like when you hear like Goudreau's gone, you're like, Oh wow, that sucks. And then it's like, Tan, or Kachuk's not resigning. You're like, Oh my gosh, what's going on there. And then, uh, I mean, the Branson leaves and the team is fallen apart. I'm just kidding. Takes drill <laughs> um, with him. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, they did a good job of pivoting really quickly and uh, especially with the Kachuk thing bringing in the, like, the assets they got on that trade. I still don't know how he pulled that off.
0: <laughs> it, it's, it's mind-boggling and Brad Tree Living, I think, is in a similar position that Cheval Dayoff is in. I think it was kind of like I got to do something or I'm done here because he's been there a long time and they haven't really done anything, right? Like, when Mike Smith was on that team, they were first in the West. They bowed out in five games to the Avalanche in round one. Like, they just haven't had playoff success. They've been a very good regular season team, mm-hmm. but they can't seem to push the hurdle. And so they finally did. They beat Dallas, and then it, then they beat the Oilers 9-6 to or whatever that first game. It was like, oh, man, this actually might be the Flames' year. And then McDavid said, hold my beer. And he took over and <laughs> the rest is history, right? Drysad was playing on one leg. Like it was just, it was mind boggling, but, uh, but I agree with you. And I, I wonder if Goudreau and Kachuk being out of there, because I think they're young and they had their swagger about them. But I wonder if that frees up guys like Manjiapani. I've always, I, I like Manjiapani, And I wonder if that frees up guys like him to spread their wings a little further, like, because Huberto is the guy that's going to score you 100 points, but also elevate everyone else's play around him, right? Like, he is very mm-hmm. much that un- that selfless player. And he was like that in Florida on a stack. Like, him and Barkov together were just a dynamic duo. And there's a reason he had 100 points, 90 of them, I think. <laughs> that's not right, but were assists. It was just crazy. Um, and,
2: and we'll see. We'll see where the team goes. but That trade, like, I don't know how... He managed to get that haul. Like that's still mind-boggling to me. Like you trade Kachuk and you bring back Uberdo, like first line winger. You bring back Uyghur, top pairing defenseman. You get a prospect and a first round pick. Like <laughs> don't understand how he was able to pull that off, but I think it is like he said, like he has to do something, or he's not gonna be there very long. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't know. I think. I think, honestly, this year it'll be the Flames and the Oilers 1-2 in the division, however it finishes out. But I like. I hope the Oilers win it this year, but I can definitely see the Flames running it back and winning their division again. Um, But, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how they play this year with the uh, new additions they brought in. And, I mean, they lost Cali Kroc and the Brantz and these guys that are just the heart and soul. No, well,
0: they lost um, two goals, yep. Yeah. Well, no.
2: <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I think the Flames will be an interesting team this year to watch, and I think they'll be just as good as they were last year. And then it'll be it'll be waiting waiting and seeing to see if they are better than they were last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you, and I mean, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I mean, preseason's underway. Uh, Next week, we're gonna wrap up our seven Canadian teams. We're gonna do. We're both gonna go at the Oilers a little bit because we have told you that that is our team, and that is we're gonna take a little deeper dive on that. so I know all the fans will be excited, especially my Manitoba friends, but uh, hold your excitement. Wait a week. We'll be back with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll take a break here. On the other side of the break, we're going to welcome our first ever guests to the MJ sports pod. We're going to break down the CFL week. Um, and then after that, we will look at our uh, NFL pick'em and our performers of the week. Stay tuned on the MJ sports pod. Right on, welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod. It is that time now. Uh we're welcoming our first ever guest all the way from Calgary, Alberta. Our youngest brother Nate joins us. Nate, how are you doing this fine day?
1: Doing pretty good, Mike and Josh. How are you guys? Doing well.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're you're uh, the first ever guest. So Nate, we like to break down the CFL games. Obviously, you are a Ticat fan, so you'll give us some analysis, yeah, I'm dude. sure, on your team that is different than what we ever give it. Um uh, but yeah, Josh and <laughs> Nate, three games on the schedule this week. There was Hamilton and in Montreal. Uh Toronto was in Ottawa. And then Calgary was in BC and that Calgary game turned into an okay game by the end. Um, When I turned it on, it was three nothing for the longest time for Calgary. But uh, let's start out East in Montreal. Um, Hamilton just within a touchdown, but just couldn't pull it out. Trevor Harris had a good game. Dane Evans also had almost 300 passing yards, not like a terrible game, but uh, Hamilton (laughs) finds a way to lose, right? Like I think of the Riders, they're on the bye week and they have uh, Frankie Hickson has broke his hand. He's done for the season, which is like now we're down to, I don't even know who's going to run the ball. Um,
2: (laughs) I guess LaFrance will be the guy. I don't
0: don't know. And (laughs) uh, him you can try out. (laughs) it's It's just a circus, which is going on there. And then one of the quarterbacks got arrested for a DUI on the bye week. Madness was but that Nate, uh,
1: Jake Dolgalla or whatever? Jake Dolgalla
0: is the man that uh, got arrested which is terrible cuz they're going into Winnipeg and that's where he's played the most. So um yeah due, due to Fischardo's bad play but the riders didn't even play and that's all in their news. Nate tell us what you thought about the Tie Cats. What is going on with their season? It looks like this would be a good year for them. Um what do you think?
1: Well, uh <laughs> Yeah, I thought this year would be good for them. They, I thought they improved in the offseason more than they like did in turn ever. Like, they lost a few guys, obviously, like Mazzoli and Acklin and stuff, which was sad for us on offense. But, I mean, we've had Tim White and Dunbar pick step up in a big way for those in the receiving core in that way for Acklin and the other guys we lost. And uh sucks losing Braylon Addison for the season because, obviously, he's like the number one guy for Hamilton on offense. He can run the ball and catch it. So, But obviously everyone has injuries, but I think Dane Evans has definitely looked better to me the past couple weeks against Winnipeg and Montreal. He's throwing it a lot better and a lot more accurate. And he hasn't had many, like he hasn't had any turnovers, I don't think, or maybe he's had one. Um, but yeah, I think the team just struggles in the second half. It's like we always come out firing in the first half. And I think the only couple games we've uh, stuck around for the whole game is Winnipeg and a couple others that, that we've won, I guess. But if they can change something this bye week, I think we basically need to win every game left <laughs> and have yeah, uh, Toronto. I guess Toronto's in already, but we need Ottawa and uh, Montreal, they'll keep losing somehow, but so yeah. I think there's I think Saskatchewan's gonna cross over. I think it's just a matter of Montreal or Hamilton being in the semi final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh,
0: it's so intriguing to me that they have had a rough year. Montreal's had a so so year, and those are the two teams that have somehow managed to defeat Winnipeg one at home, one on the road. And um yeah. I, I just I don't get it, but...
1: Uh, well, even going yeah, off you... the win game, I had a lot of hope. <laughs> <Yeah. from> these <laughs> games coming up because I figured, hey, like, that's a pretty good momentum win for the team because they won in a big way and at home. So, mm-hmm. And I mean, Montreal, we came out good and we had the lead and stuff, but second half again has just been, I think, the Ticats' enemy for some reason this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to plague, I guess, too.
0: But, Josh, what did you think about that game, it was, it was close. I mean, I mean, they don't give you points for being close, but it, it was a decently fought out game.
2: Yeah. Like, to be honest, I didn't watch very much uh, CFL this weekend. I didn't really, I was very busy with other things going on with like kids and stuff. So I didn't get a chance to watch too much, but uh, I did check out box scores and see like after quarter scores and stuff like that. And, kind of perusing stats and just kind of stuff like that, just to get an idea of what was going on in those games. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, Dane Evans is starting to look good. He looks like he's started to turn the corner at least. Like he had a couple weeks there were, well, there's that one game where they had their third string playing and Dane Evans sitting on the sidelines <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So,
1: Toronto, I think.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, nice to see him starting to pick it up but uh yeah i guess nate what do you think what did you think uh, mike and i kind of talked about this a while ago though but uh about mazzoli leaving like if you were in that position would you have kept mazzoli over dane evans or would you have kept dane evans over mazzoli
1: i think i would have kept dane evans like because at the time last year like, going into the off season, like evans was the guy for us already like he was already overtaking mazzoli in a lot of the ways starting but uh I mean I think the only thing that was bad about Mazzoli leaving is it didn't like it took away the competition and stuff from his or Dane Evans in practice because I mean we signed Schiltz but he's been a backup his whole career so far so he, like he has he already started challenging Dane Evans I think that just speaks to how uh bad Dane has been this year but I think like we've been saying like these past couple weeks he's been looking a lot better and I think that's hope for the rest of the season and even for the next couple of years. I think Hamilton still has him under contract for 2023. I don't know about 24, but mm-hmm. I know we still have him for next season under a deal. So, I mean, I think they're going to keep him. I mean, I know a lot of Ticat fans want us to get rid of him in the off season, but I mean, these past few games have shown us that's why we kept him is because he's been able to throw the ball. It's just not getting much help out there lately.
0: It's it seems like it's uh there's a mental hurdle there that he cleared a couple weeks ago, right? Like I, I think of that early loss in the season to Edmonton where they basically ripped it out of his hands and ran it into the end zone, the defense that is. Um and here like against Winnipeg, he's throwing that ball like there's no tomorrow. He did it in this game too. Like you say no no picks for two weeks against Winnipeg and Montreal, who are decent defenses, right? um yeah but I I know Josh and I have talked on this pod before about uh missing out on a Mazzoli Dane Evans duel right like we won't get to see that now till next year probably but um yeah I mean, yeah it's
1: crazy yeah I think that was one of the things a lot of people are looking forward to especially just because it was like a lot of the players on the Red Blacks are tied cats but the time we played them already is like Mazzoli like you said the Mazzoli Dane Evans and a lot of those former tie cuts were injured and stuff. But, yeah, I still think, like, Dane's doing better, like you said. Like, I read that or I heard he talked to someone before the Winnipeg game and, like, was talking about his mental health and stuff. Because he said it's been a struggle because, like, this season, which makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I think whatever he was talking – whoever he was talking to, I think surely helped because – since he's done that, he's been doing a lot better on the field. So,
2: one thing I was going to ask you, Nate, is I've, I feel like the Ticats don't really like, I don't watch a lot of their games, but uh, I feel like their run game is next to non existent. Is that kind of true or is that just me not watching the games and not seeing that? But I like, I know they have uh, Thomas Erlington and Don Jackson as well, I think, right? Or is one of them injured right now? Like, Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: Don Jackson's injured right now. We've been using Wes Hills, who, like I read, from the NFL. And oh, okay. he's been pretty good these past couple of weeks. But, yeah, Hamilton's never been a big run team. I've never really understood that because, I mean, that makes our offense very one-dimensional. But, they need to bring I mean, I Cobb think it's back. also <laughs>
2: – What? They need to bring Cobb back and everyone <laughs> wearing their corn cobs on their head.
0: DeAndre Cobb. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, since the corn they had corn.
0: they had Grigsby, right?
1: Yeah, I we went from like Grigsby and then we brought in, I think that's when we got like Arlington and stuff after Grigsby left. Mm-hmm. And then now we have Don Jackson. I mean, our running game definitely like stepped way up when like June Jones took over a long time ago. But right when he left, I feel like we just went right back into the past game and not really running the ball. Mm-hmm. I think it's also like Condell he's been our offensive coordinator like the few years he wasn't is when we were running the ball all the time, and then when he came back, we started just throwing it and before when he was our o c we were always just throwing it, so I think it's just how he run likes to run his offense is just heavy on the throwing, but yeah, I think Hamilton I think that's something we need to they need to change and we need to change for them is like get the running game going in order to uh win more. And, hopefully win a Cup soon
2: and i feel like uh that puts a lot more pressure on dane evans too right like if it's a very mm-hmm. pass heavy offense like that kind of just like magnifies any mistake he makes if they're not like yeah. really investing into the run to balance it out because it's just like the majority of the game is rests on him so it's like he makes a couple mistakes like it's way more magnified than it would be like if he had a running back rushing for 80 yards and a touchdown or two and he throws a pick, like you'd be like, Oh, I threw a pick, but we still like still had two touchdowns or a touchdown from a running game kind of thing. Like, I just feel like yeah. it is hard to balance. I think, especially in the CFL with, you only have those three downs, like, um, yeah, NFL, obviously with the extra down, you have more, uh, you can do
1: with it. Yeah. I think even, uh, like you look at Winnipeg, and that's one of the reasons they were so dominant these past two years is with Caleros throwing the ball and uh, Harris running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know a lot of people weren't sure, but I mean, even this year, they've been running really well with Oliveira and stuff. I don't know about their backup, the Augustine guy, if he's played much, but. Um, yeah, not times. Yeah, because I know, like, people were saying that he should be the starter over Oliveira, but I think Oliveira definitely deserves to be the starter now, especially with how. Well, he's been playing this year for them, and I mean that's just what makes them so dominant. And you look at past teams in the CFL, like the Stamps; those years they were dominant when they had John Cornish, right? And mm-hmm. it's just you look at teams that have been dominant in the past, and they always definitely have a top running back. And um, but obviously, I think Hamilton has talent at the running back; they just don't use it all the time, and I don't really ever understand that. But right, I think.
0: Yeah, you look at those dominant teams of that have won Great Cups. Um Montreal back in the day, oh nine, ten, back to back. They had Avon Coburn. Um the Riders had Corey Sheets in twenty thirteen. Uh, like you say, John Cornish. Hamilton had CJ Gable for a while, like they were they were right there, uh back to back great cups. But that's that's how it goes. You gotta put it all together for one one season, right? Like
2: Yeah, so,
1: even though we even the one year uh that the Red Blacks won. I think that was their second year in the CFL, but mm-hmm. uh, even that year, I think, is when they had Powell or whatever, but, like, yep. him, and, him and Burris. And, I mean, looking More. back at Great Cup winning teams and even Super Bowl teams in the NFL, yeah, you always have to have a top, like, a, not a top running back in terms of stats and stuff, but you just have to have a good running back who can take pressure off of the quarterback. like Josh was saying, like, always throwing the ball. If you throw it in completion on first and 10 or get sacked, then you're looking at second and 10 or second and more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're running the ball, you can get, if you get four or five yards of carry, even you're, you know, a second and medium is way more manageable for a quarterback. So,
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's move on to the next game here quickly. We'll kind of fire through these last two. We kind of wanted to take a long time on Hamilton because we knew you were coming on the show here, but um Toronto mm-hmm. – goes into Ottawa and stomps on them, 45-15. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson, 245, three touchdowns, one interception. Arbuckle and Evans combined for uh, 368 yards, but five interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, mm. One week, Ottawa is hot. The next week, they're cold. And they just – it's another, it's another case of that, right? Why mm. – why can't they put it all together consistently for win after win? And then my other question to maybe even to both of you, we'll start with you, Nate. Is La Police done after the season?
1: I think so. If they can, I think if he can not get even just a couple more wins this year, I think he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And I think like last year, I think he kind of got a free ticket. Cause I mean, Ottawa last year was just a bunch of nobodies pretty much other than a few guys, but, so, I mean, it was kind of hard for him to set up a team. But, I mean, this year he was given a lot <laughs> in terms of talent and pieces and on offense and defense. And, I mean, they're still struggling. And, I mean, I think if he doesn't get a couple more wins this year, I could see them firing him. But, I mean, if he gets a couple wins and, you know, he's around, they're around six wins, seven wins this year, I, they'd probably stay for at least another year. But, Hmm. I was kind right. of thinking at the start of this year it was kind of a do-or-die year for him just because I know he's been a coach before in the league, so I think he has a shorter leash than like a brand-new coach. But
0: Yeah, and I, I think, too, that franchise needs wins, right? And it's too bad that Mazzoli got hurt because I don't think their record would be what it is um, if he's the starter for the whole season. I really don't.
1: Yeah. But. No, I think if Mazzoli was very would have helped them a lot. Because, I mean, I think they went with Evans for a while because they didn't have Arbuckle at the start. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, getting Arbuckle, I think, helped because he is a good quarterback for the most part. I mean, he's struggled, like you were saying, like him and Evans combined for the five interceptions. But <laughs> yeah, he's had a few good games for Ottawa. And I mean, which is pretty impressive considering Ottawa. I mean, like I said, they have the talent. They just somehow can't utilize it. So they've been struggling all year. But mm-hmm. I think... Just Evans is also just very fresh in the CFL. Like last year was his first year, right? So Mm -hmm. I think he's still getting his experience in. So I think I don't have huge expectations for him when he's starting. Like just because I think you still have to give him this year and the next year if he plays. I think you have higher expectations for him. But usually, you know, I think you need to give them a couple of years before you start setting a super high bar. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The thing that's like kind of shocking to me is the fact that Nick Arbuckle hasn't thrown a touch a passing touchdown in like three games or whatever it's been. Like, if I was running that offense, I'd just run with Caleb Evans. I think for the rest of the year, like mm-hmm. Arbuckle's showing flashes of good play, but if like I mean you, if you can't throw a touchdown pass, like Nick, uh, Evans is like. Uh, quite a bit more versatile, I think, as far as he likes to incorporate running. Like, he's a good runner, and yeah. he can incorporate that more so into his game, whereas Arbuckle, you don't see him take off running as often. Like, he's a lot more... Mm-hmm. Uh, st- stays in the pocket and uh, passes it and stuff, but, like, he hasn't thrown a passing TD in, like, three games, or at least two, I think, maybe three. And it's just, like, it's hard to win games when you can't pass, score a touchdown. Like... <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, yeah, you're paid to win games, right? you talking about that um, with some people here the other day about Fajardo, like, I friends over that are Ryder fans, and it's, like, how long is the leash for him? Because it hasn't all been on him. I mean, there's an offensive line that's just absolutely decimated with injuries. They're starting to get the guys back now, but is it too little, too late? Um, you have to – you're paid to win games, right? Mm-hmm. Like. That's why you play the game. That's why they're paying them money. Not that they're paying them atrocious in the CFL, but but I, I would agree with you. I think I think Caleb Evans is kind of like Lamar uh, Jackson there for
2: the uh, Ravens in the NFL, right? Like, he incorporates both aspects of his game, and he's very quick on his feet. Um, well, yeah. There's a game I had him. I think I had him on a, a fantasy lineup, and he had, like, kind of similar to Cornelius, like he can pass for two or 300 yards, but he can also get like 70, 80 yards rushing on the ground. Like just Mm -hmm. himself. Like it's pretty impressive to watch like those guys. Like, and I mean, to compare Cornelius and Evans to Lamar Jackson's kind of like style wise. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously Lamar Jackson is infinitely better than anybody in the (laughs) the CFL.
0: (laughs) Taylor Cornelius is like a freight train that isn't going to stop very gracefully.
1: Mm. No,
2: he's but, a big uh, guy. Well, yeah, he's what, yeah, he, six, five or something too. Like he's a. Big I guy. think so. Yeah, yeah. But I hope oh, I
0: hope for the sake of the, the Red Blacks fans, they can figure it out and uh, and that they can have a good year next year. Because that, I mean, they won a great cup, but it's always like three bad years. Or are we going to lose our team again? Right? Like you, that's terrible to even think that. But I hope they can figure it out and get it there. But I you know tickets are pretty cheap right there right now. <laughs> they they need more wood cookies. Yeah, <laughs> they need to cut those wood cookies. They're not doing yeah. that. barbuckle's not passing tests. That's for sure. <laughs> Saving the money on
1: gas at least. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they're not uh, throwing touchdowns Change, too the cold.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't well, have enough money of... for those in gas. <laughs> Speaking of cheap tickets, BC, you can come to a game. I forget what how many. I think you could buy seven games or something without. Uh, they were all cheap games. Seven games was like a hundred and some dollars, but anyways, <laughs> Calgary's there. They're up three nothing right before half. They score a touchdown. They win this game twenty five eleven. But and they punch their ticket to the postseason. I think the storyline though, and Vern Adams played very well. Like. I thought like, obviously they didn't, mm-hmm. they look like they were lost by a lot on the scoreboard, but he was moving the ball. He's running and all over the place. There's another guy that's a little more graceful than Taylor Cornelius, but <laughs> but let's talk about the stamps really quick. Cause as we record this today, Jake Mayer was signed through the, through the 24 season. So that's two more seasons. He's going to get to play. Um, and before we logged on to start recording this segment, um I found I was reading a rumor that the Calgary Stampeders are um getting calls on Mitchell already because he still wants to play. Where is he gonna go? Saskatchewan's been rumored if Fajardo can't turn it around. Um but the other thing is like, does Ottawa need help to save their season? I, like the trade deadline is the first is coming up, first week of October. Um yeah. but what do you guys think on the stamps? Mitchell and all this. Like they're in the playoffs now, but they're gonna ride mayor obviously for the next couple seasons now.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's good to go with Mayer. Like he's definitely been better. Like Mitchell, I don't really know what happened. He just sucked these past couple of years, to put it plainly. But I mean, we've seen guys go from one team to the next and start playing really well. So I mean that might just be what he needs is a new <clears throat> new home and some new scenery. But I can see him getting traded, I think, or even just leaving in the off because I don't think Mitchell's gonna be back with the stabs. Next next year, I think he'll maybe ride it out this year with him, but I think he'll definitely find a new home somewhere because there's a few teams that could use him. I
2: get feeling on that actually is si. uh I think he ends up in Toronto to start next season, yeah, 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 I think
1: like
2: there they've like they've been trying to find a guy like. Bethel Thompson's outlasted all these guys, they' brought through that system, but I feel like uh he's also getting up there in age, whereas you could bring mitchell or yeah Mitchell in there, you've got Harris, you've got a lot of offensive weaponry there that he could mm-hmm. and like he's played with like Devarse Daniels and stuff before, and like uh I yeah, know, I just, like, is, with, is I could see them trading him to get something at the deadline, maybe somewhere, and then but I think I think he. To start next season, like I think he in, he's in Toronto. That's my gut feeling on that. He's but, he uh, played with
0: that whole team.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's Just the like, team. all the
0: Stampeders in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. But but Dinwiddie was Dinwiddie was his quarterback coach, right? Like so, there is that there is that familiarity there too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, but, uh, like Bo almost went to Toronto a few years ago, and he like went and tried out in the NFL. I remember he came back and. Toronto was actually the front front runner to get him because he was saying he wanted to play there, but then he ended up going back to Calgary. So I mean, it could make sense for him to go to Toronto now. Mm-hmm. He'll, yeah, he'll he'll up. land
0: somewhere. Like John Houghnagel oh, yeah. is is not a dumb GM. He's going to make sure he gets to a place where he's going to get a lot of assets because he's going to make it count.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, no, I that that's one of the few games this week that I watched actually, and I turned it on. This is like the second quarter starting or whatever. I was like, oh, I wonder what the score is. And I, yeah, I saw the three 0 I was like, oh wow, this game must be very boring right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but it's it's interesting to me, and I I think Toronto is actually going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs the odds makers on CFL.ca have them as the higher odds of winning the Great Cup than Winnipeg. I don't buy that for a second, <laughs> but they no. also... The reason they lost to Winnipeg in their one meeting was because BD missed a convert. So, <laughs> I mean, they, they they were in the game the whole way. They also had Andrew Harris in that game. Now, AJ Ouellette obviously has played lights out, replacing him, and he's Canadian, so it helps with the ratio, but... um that's Toronto, and, I mean, we'll see what Calgary does. They're Malik Henry, Phil Potts coming in his own. Kaden Carey is always an animal. Jake Mayer almost had 300 yards again this game. Like, it's
2: – they're putting Mike, it together
0: at the right time.
2: You're, you're leaving out our boy, Luther Hakunavani.
0: Yeah, and Luther's just, like, lighting up the show there a little bit too. He's getting some key <laughs> touchdowns at key moments. He um, sure the CFL. That's – that's right, and from from a writer standpoint, as a writer fan, we play Hamilton, then we play um, Calgary twice. So still. Hamilton
1: gets one more win at least.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nate. And, uh, and we play Winnipeg this coming Friday, right? So that's our games: is Winnipeg, Hamilton, Calgary, Calgary. Like, it's if Calgary's putting it together, are we going to see the play the starters if they're already in the playoffs? I don't, whatever, but. But Calgary's putting it together at the right time. They made a gut call to go with Mayor over over Mitchell. And I think it's it's worked. Um we gotta remember that Mitchell's played in this league a while. Like it's not like he's just starting out and got his job taken away, but uh we'll see. Trade deadline comes first week of October. We'll see if he's still in Calgary when that is when that passes.
2: Yeah, I know you and I talked about that, Mike uh I think it was like maybe our second episode or something about mitchell like he's really got nothing left to prove as far Mm -hmm. as like his stats Mm -hmm. and championships and stuff like that so i mean like wherever he ends up is he'll be there i think maybe if he even wants like who knows maybe he just says don't trade me and i'm gonna retire at the end of the year like who, who really knows like you never know he could just come to that conclusion that he's done and he coaches maybe gets a coaching job with calgary so he can stay in calgary who knows but
1: yeah even with the playoffs coming like if calgary were to somehow like you know get through winnipeg and stuff and win this great cup you could always see him retiring as a champ going out on top kind of thing but so know that's so- obviously how a lot of guys want to leave their
0: careers Somehow getting through Winnipeg, you actually think they have a chance to do that? They haven't beat them at all this season.
1: I don't know. After Hamilton beat <laughs> them, I mean, anyone can do it. <laughs> well, not the Riders.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they've got they've lost each time, but but yeah, no, that's that's kind of our CFL recap of the week. Couple couple storylines starting to produce as we head into trade deadline and. uh and the schedule or, and the schedule winds down. Week 17 coming up this week. Saskatchewan in Winnipeg on Friday night. Ottawa in BC uh, Friday night as well. And then Saturday, I have a doubleheader. Montreal's in Edmonton. Will that be the game that Edmonton finally wins at home? <laughs> Who knows? And then <laughs> Toronto's figured, in man. Calgary. So maybe a preview of Bo's <laughs> of new team. Who knows, right? There's so many things on the go here. But um, we will watch. We will... Uh, be back next week to recap that week that's coming up here now. Um, but we're going to take <laughs> a break here. Nate, thanks so much for taking time to join us this uh, for this segment. And uh, we, we hope you'll be back with us at some point. Um, we're going to talk a little NHL on the other side of the break. Stay tuned on the MJ Sports Pod. Well, welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod, Season One, Episode Four. Uh, we want to thank our youngest bro, Nate, for joining us on the Sports Pod here today. Uh, always good to talk with Nate, and I will unashamedly say I I love CFL. I like to think I know a lot about it, but I think Nate is probably the brother of the four of us that knows the most about the CFL. He seems to know go. which guys. Yeah, he seems to know which guys are on the neg list, all those kind of things, and I'm like, okay. Nate knows, so, but uh, always good talk with him, hey Josh?
2: Oh yeah, definitely, yeah, it's good to have him as our first guest here on our podcast. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, so Nate, thanks for your time, uh, all guests on the MJ Sports Pod receive nothing, uh, so that's uh, coming your way.
2: That's not true, Mike, they receive uh, at least 100% of our profits from this Oh podcast. yeah,
0: that part too, <laughs> until, until we're monetized.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh we're gonna slide in right away to our NFL pick'em. Uh last week, Josh, you went uh three and one and I went one and three. And so you're sitting right now after three weeks at eight and four, I'm six and six of the four games we do a week. Um and so I'm just gonna make uh the it's list funny, here and right? we
2: will you you could tell me I was losing and I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't really fo- I don't really follow it. So. <laughs> I'll try to be fair
0: here, okay? Yeah. No, um, But we're going to look at the games here. I picked uh, – well, we got four for the week. Like usual, the Thursday-nighter, the uh, a game on Sunday, Sunday-nighter, Monday-nighter, and uh, – the other fun thing about the Monday Nighters is you can go and watch on TSN three, I believe. The Manning Cast, Peyton and Eli, talk during the whole game. It is a it is a hoot, and they have some cool guests on there. Like if I if it wasn't the Saints, then I would watch it on there. You know what I mean? Not the Saints oh. haven't been on Monday Night yet, but like I've watched a few of those, and it's like, like Peyton's like, oh, what is he doing there? I would do it this way, and he shows you how. And it's like, okay, Peyton, you go out there and do it then. <laughs> uh, but called it's called funny. Huh? Yeah, Omaha, Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Josh, I'm gonna throw the games here, and you let me know. We have the undefeated. This is so weird that the Eagles and the Dolphins are undefeated, right? The only undefeated teams in the NFL. Miami is in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Uh, I saw a meme the other day. They showed like they're like Cincinnati of 2022, and it or or 2021. Sorry, and it was just like this grizz, this like angry and then they show it said the Cincinnati of this season and it was Tigger because it's just like it's two polar (laughs) opposites of what's going on there but Miami undefeated in Cincinnati playing the Bengals on Thursday night football what do you predict there
2: Bengals are gonna win so it's gonna happen you heard it here first
1: (laughs) right
0: here on the (laughs) MJ sports pod season one episode no just kidding (laughs) Uh, that's what I think too I think the Bengals are due for a win Um Miami wins. I, it's cool. They're four and zero. But I, I think, uh, I think the Bengals win this one. The next one I picked is my own team, and I'm gonna pick the Saints. But the Vikings are playing the Saints in London, uh, on Sunday. It's the London Games, the first one. Um, so they're already there. They had a video from practice today. It's, <laughs> it comes on my phone like midday. I'm like, what the heck? They're practicing already. But it's like, oh, they're in London. Um. So, Vikings, who have been very good, it seems, in the pick'em department the last while, uh, or the New Orleans Saints. I gotta
2: go against you, Mike, this week. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Vikings.
0: The Vikings are going, eh? Um, Sunday nighter is the Chiefs at the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay. Who do you see there? That's Mahomes and Tom Brady going at it.
2: I mean, I know I've said you can't bet against Tom Brady, but can you bet against Patrick Mahomes either? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go with uh the Chiefs this week, I think.
0: Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Tom Brady as as much as I hope the Chiefs whoop them. I think but the, the Bucs find a way. So uh the last one is Monday night football. Uh we got the Rams and the Forty ers which was a Pivotal playoff game last year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken.
2: I gotta stick with my boy Jimmy G, (laughs) bringing that (laughs) money.
0: (laughs) Did you? Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with LA (laughs) on the road. (laughs) I uh, I think the Rams' defense does does some stuff there, but uh, did you see last game? Jimmy G stepped out of the end zone on that one throw. He was already well out of bounds, like two feet out of bounds. And he had his foot down on the bottom line that had racism in it, right? Because the NFL has these social justice messages on the end zone tags. Yeah. And someone's like, someone's like, man, look at Jimmy G. He's taking over this team. He's leading the offense. And he's putting his foot down on racism. And I, like, just burst out <laughs> laughing. And I'm not making light of racism, right? But it was just kind of a perfect moment of a picture. Yeah. Uh, and someone, someone jumped on that. So uh, to recap, Josh, we both picked the Bengals to end the Dolphins undefeated campaign in week number four. Um, I'm taking the Saints in the London game. You're taking Minnesota. Um, you're taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the Bucks. You're taking the Niners. I'm taking the uh, Rams. So <laughs> one of us is going to do really good. and One of us is going to do yeah. really bad. Uh, <laughs> and if the Dolphins win, then that just screws it over anyways.
1: Yeah. So
0: right on. Well, with that, we're going to move to uh, – to our performer of the week. Josh, I'll let you start and then I will bring up the reader.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh earlier in the podcast we were talking about uh during Mike's major league moments, uh mentioned uh <laughs> Aaron Judge and his tying the home run record. So yeah, seeing that, that was uh gonna be my performer of the week, I think. Um I did have a backup one ready to go here uh, in the cricket world. Uh, Friday, September 23rd, England and Pakistan. And, and this was a, a nail-biter. England won by 63 runs. And then, uh, the, then uh, where was it? On the 25th, they faced off again in Pakistan, actually won by three runs. And then today, they faced again in Pakistan, won by six runs again. Now, they they play again on Friday, September 30th. So just in a couple days, and we'll have to see if England can come back to that 63-run win win, and bring that energy back to the cricket field. So we'll we'll keep a close eye on that, and we'll uh, see how it goes from there. (laughs) I should have gone first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you
0: guys can't – it's audio, right? But Josh trying to keep his face straight as he told you that it was a nail-biter was just priceless to watch on the screen here. Um my performer of the week uh, I I do like my honorable mention will go to Aaron Judge. I don't I'm obviously not a Yankees fan, but what he is doing this season is just amazing. Um he's a mammoth and he is hitting home runs like one. Uh but my performer of the week is going to come from the NFL. It is the uh Dolphins Bills game on uh last Sunday. Uh Josh Allen 42 <laughs> completions on 63 attempts. Okay. That's insane. 40 attempts is a heavy day. 42 on 63. And I should add, uh, Singletary had 13 Singletary had nine carries, 13 yards. Zach Moss had four carries, 46 yards. Josh Allen himself had eight carries, 47 yards. So it's not like they weren't rushing the ball, but 63 pass attempts. So he threw 42 for 63. Uh, two touchdowns, four hundred passing yards, and then he had his eight carries and uh forty seven yards on the ground and I should say he threw no picks in sixty three attempts, no interceptions that's pretty impressive. that's insane, and four hundred forty seven yards by himself, passing and rushing, and they still lost to the dolphins <laughs> like, that's just that just bites, man, that bites if you throw for four hundred yards, you should be winning and The receiving core, there was only two guys that had one catch. Everyone else had two, three, four, seven, or nine receptions. And three of them were over 70 yards. Stephon, Diggs, Singletary, and McKenzie. Um, Cook was, was decent there, too, with four catches. But Josh Allen is my performer of the week in a losing effort, which is rare because we don't usually talk about them when they lose. But that's insane. That's 447 yards, 63 pass attempts, and they still lose to Tua and the Dolphins.
2: Uh, that is crazy, actually. <laughs> Hearing those stats, but uh, just had a question. Um, because because you follow baseball, uh, just because we were talking about Aaron Judge, was Albert Pujols he hit his seven hundredth home run? Was that this past week as well, or was that a little while ago? and I'm just not thinking about it. Yeah,
0: yeah, we should put that up as a joint honorable mention.
2: Pujols joined yeah. the seven
0: hundred club. Uh, I believe he's the f- fourth player to do it. Yeah, I think that's so. Like, that. like, it's that's how many guys have played baseball in the major leagues in the history of major league baseball lots, right? And so, he has said this will be his last season. So, it's kind of cool to see him eclipse that mark. Um, he's not banging 60 home runs a season anymore. I think that was like, I think he's only in the <laughs> 20s, but still, every home run he hit, it's just and to do it in St. Louis where it's where it all started for him. Uh, very cool that he would come back. Um, obviously, he had a good run in LA as well, and uh, Played at the Dodgers last season a little bit and then returned home. But yeah,
2: I, I saw a video on Facebook actually uh, showing uh, his very first one and then his like hundredth and two hundredth, three hundredth, so on so on. And it was kind of funny to watch. Like they're all pretty close together, and then from six hundred to seven hundred was like a two year gap. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, you could tell he's definitely slowing down a bit. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, he's been he's been one
0: of the best baseball players of. I don't want to say my era, but, you know, like this time frame um, and Major League Baseball, will miss him. He's been a good community person wherever he's gone as well. But, uh, yeah, we should we should point that out here on the podcast. So uh, some baseball stuff. NHL, man, preseason's rolling this week, next week. And uh, right after Thanksgiving, we get rolling. Oilers Canucks Wednesday night. Um, there's going to be a couple regular season games actually overseas in Europe here pretty soon. Um we'll touch on those next time on the pod. But um yeah, we want to thank you for joining us. Um you can find us wherever you find your podcast. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe, follow along with us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at MJ Sports Pod our email mjsportspod at gmail dot com. And yeah, like I said, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, ACast.com. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. And uh, we will be back next week. We're going to preview the Oilers. We're going to talk some baseball. We're all, we'll do some CFL recap again. We'll see if I can catch Josh in the pick'em, Um, And we'll see where we go. But uh, we hope you have a good, safe week. And we will catch you next week on the MJ Sports Pod. Take care. <music>